Welcome back to the field of screaming scarecrows, a ghoulish army that guards a moat that may or may not contain monsters, who protect a castle that almost certainly houses a witch. Episode 22. The Melee in the Moat. After the goblins and their plate-backed woogle rolled the sack, the whimpering bag atop the flat-backed wheelbarrow into the castle, the fool pulls the door shut, and the orphans stand quiet for a moment, intimidated by the sheer nuttiness of Snook the Fool. As usual, Elwood tries to make the best of things. He seems friendly. He seems like a drunken monkey. Doesn't mean he's not friendly. Do do we want to be sitting down to milk and cookies with a sort who's goblin friendly? I wonder what sort of business a witch could have with goblins. It must have something to do with what's outside of the bag. You mean what's inside the bag. Whatever be inside that bag will be outside quick enough. Oi. We have to get across that moat. What? 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 Why would we do that, Hazel? Why would we do that? To get inside the castle. Hazel, you are as crazy as that fool. It's the only way we'll know if there's a fairy inside. We could just wait. Maybe the fairy will come out on her own. Oh, aye. Right after she be finishing gabbing with the witch and grabbing on coffee and scones. You really want to go in there? It's not about wanting to. They know what she means. Sometimes you have to do things. Not because you're forced to, but because... Whatever that thing is, it's somehow connected to who you are. It's mixed into your blood, woven into the fibers of your flesh, written into the stars from whence you came. The orphans follow Hazel out of the field to the moat where the chain attaches to the old, rusty cauldron. Lined up on the edge of the moat, options, or rather, the lack thereof, are discussed. There be no way to cross. Copper produces a small spyglass and surveys the area. Hi, the ferry, it, it be over yonder. Well, we be not. We could swim. Not me. Mm-mm, not me. There could be monsters in that moat. No sign of monsters yet. Oh, sure. I bet monsters would announce themselves, feeling the need to be polite and all as monsters do. Yeah, not to mention, this is a witch's castle. And filling her moat with monsters would definitely be on a witch's list of things to get done. But the fairies across the moat. Maybe we can shimmy across the chain. Shimmy? Yeah, sure. Dwarves aren't uh, much for shimmying. Yeah, pirates ain't be much for shimmying either. Well, don't think of it as shimmying. Think of it as rambling or plank walking. This semantic suggestion seems to satisfy the dwarf and pirate contingency of the group. The orphans line up at the cauldron and grab hold of the slime-slathered chain. One by one, they pull themselves up and kick their legs over the chain, each of them dangling from the taut line. Hazel shimmies first, one hand over the other, her legs sliding along with her. Her orphan brothers follow suit, 
a family of upside-down inchworms making their way along the stem of a marigold. The struggle to get across is grueling for all of the orphans, but most grueling of all for Elwood, who nearly loses his grip. He is, after all, carrying the weight of a boy, plus the weight of two giant, thoroughly feathered wings. He catches himself before he plunges into the mucculent moat, and he stifles what would have been a high-pitched shriek by pursing his lips and exhaling slowly through a puckered mouth. He manages to keep from making a sound, at least a sound that registers with orphan ears. His pursed lips, however, which are reminiscent of fish lips, clearly communicate something because something in the moat breaches the surface of the water. Winded, Elwood breathes through his pursed lips a few more times, and each draw and each blow bring more commotion to the waters just beneath the dangling orphans. It's a monster! No, it's just a school of fish. How do we know they're not fishy monsters? Look at them. They're just fish. They look like koi. You know, for a witch, she'd be having lovely taste in moat critters. What do they want? They probably want to eat our spleens and kidneys. No. Wait. Hazel notices the quaint sound Elwood's making with his pursed lips. She knows that, like the bighorn bear that pursued her and Elwood earlier, the koi just want Elwood. They're attracted to that subtle sound he's making with his pursed lips. Keep breathing. What? Keep breathing. Just the way you are. Don't change your lips. And so he doesn't change his lips. He listens to Hazel the way all boys who are fond of girls listen to Hazel. And as he breathes, even more koi come to the surface. Until there's a school of romantically inclined koi stretching from one side of the moat all the way to the other, like a bridge. Hazel lowers her feet from the chain and sets them down on the bridge of moving koi. She wobbles, but she can stand. Come on, it's fine. The rest of the orphans lower themselves from the slimy chain and take their wobbly spots on the fish bridge. Even Elwood begins to lower himself. No! Elwood clings to the chain, still not wanting to disappoint Hazel. You're the one they want. Let's keep you where they can't get you. Why would they want Elwood? He speaks their language. Do all hunchbacks speak fish? Do they? Elwood? How come you never be telling us you speak fish? I didn't know. Never mind. Let's just get across. The orphans take hold of Elwood and hoist him on their shoulders. Walking across the bridge of Koi proves to be an odd feeling. And it's made even more odd by the Koi, a dozen or so of them who breach the water, somersaulting through the All in some show-off effort to court Elwood. One of the fish accidentally slaps Lump right in the head. Ah! Another thumps Gruff right in his butt. Ah! Once they cross to the other side, Elwood resumes his normal breath, and the fish disperse. Of course, aside from Hazel, the other orphans know nothing of Elwood's siren heritage, and they're both puzzled and in awe of the brief but passionate coy romance. You think they'd be heartbroken? Aye. What, what am I supposed to do? Marry a fish? It could be worse. 
a whole lot worse. How could it be worse? Well, you could be Bully Van Pelt and have to spend your evenings with Madame Drax. Shh. Hazel follows the chain all the way to the door of the castle. All manner of creepy images are burned into the grain of the textured wood. Evil eyes, snakes, moons, stars, ravens, toads, broomsticks, candles, cats, gourds, cauldrons, pendulums, and a host of other symbols that would be totally normal on their own, but when viewed all together, are nothing but blood-curdling. Hazel places a hand on the brass door ring, and just before she pulls the door open, she pauses and turns to see all seven orphan brothers watching her, terrified, looking as if they'd seen a witch, even though they haven't. At least, not yet. Uh, maybe, maybe we should circle the castle. Aye, aye. Maybe there'd be a window. We could go out of the castle without actually having to go out of the castle. You mean you could see into the castle without having to go into the castle? There is no time. The goblins are inside. Who knows how long we have before something terrible happens to the fairy. Maybe something terrible already happened to the fairy. The words hit Hazel like a wallop to the head, and something about her seems to wither. It occurs to her that their whole journey could be in vain. They might be too late, and whatever hope drove them this far might very well be based on a false premise. Of course, this is the nature of hope and faith. It comes with doubt, with the possibility that your hopes might be dashed. It's an ice-cold feeling, a feeling nearly as cold as the brass ring that hangs from the castle door. The one Hazel has her hands wrapped around. The one she knows she'll have to open to learn whether or not her hopes are true. Thanks for listening. On the next Cobbler's Gulch, the quilt of blooms. In the meantime, know this. A moat doesn't always look like a moat. It's almost never something you can point at. In fact, it's usually something intangible. Fear, insecurity, a lack of hope, laziness. A little whispered lie inside your head that says you're not good enough, not strong enough, not smart enough, just not enough. Many moats have not been crossed. Many castles have not been stormed. Many treasures have not been unearthed. Many fairies have gone unrescued because of just such whispered lies. Unsurprisingly, the only way to hush that noise is to cross the moat. Find your moat and get crossing. <laughs>